In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. Today's feeling a little bit better than yesterday, and I'm here with Brendan Leister. Brendan, how are you, sir? Doing great. How are you? Excellent. Where in the world were you watching the game on Monday night? Um, I was. I actually took the TV out back, and I was watching the game on my back patio with some friends. So, uh, I mean, it was, you know, an enjoy. It's enjoyable watching TV outside, but obviously the game was a rough one, and you hate the result and the way that it went. So, it was tough, but also it's fun enjoying the fall weather. Yeah, excellent. So you're obviously an analyst with uh, PFF. Where do you think it all went wrong? You've obviously gone back and had a look at the tape. Any insight from yourself? Yeah, um, I mean, I think they really started off on the wrong foot, obviously. I mean, they took the ball right away. Uh, They had that big play where OBJ hit uh, Landry, you know, on the right sideline. And then from there it was, you know, penalty. So now it's second and 15. They run the ball up the middle, which is a very questionable play call, in my opinion, in that situation. Um, second 15 you run the ball maybe you get three yards it's still third and long so you're pretty much obviously going to be in a a uh, obvious passing down and then you've got your pass protection you know your offensive line going against one of the best defensive lines in football in that situation so I think they kind of just started off on the wrong foot for sure first play on defense give up the long touchdown so now you're playing from behind uh, the next drive they uh the coaching staff had their tight end, one of their tight ends singled up against Nick Bosa on a play where, um, you know, so Antonio Callaway runs a post. He uh, stabs outside at the top of his stem, and it looks like he's about to cut across the face of Richard Sherman, as he should. Uh, Mayfield sees his body language at the top of the stem, so he throws the ball at this point just as Bosa is closing in on him and hits him. Um Callaway for whatever reason but he did this a lot last year too he didn't define his route you know in that situation when you stem outside quarterbacks expecting you to cut across the face as I said he drifts deep so you know he ran a poor route Mayfield already threw the ball Sherman's got inside position he intercepts the football so now everybody's like oh Mayfield throwing another interception but it's really Callaway who shouldn't clearly shouldn't have even been on the field um you know, as the game goes on, they had a lot of trouble on defense. Just I thought Shanahan did a great job of keeping the Browns off balance when they were expecting a run. Um, you know, Shanahan was throwing play action, hitting the intermediate windows. They had trouble with run fits all night long, um, you know, getting Brita on the ground especially. Um, later on, Browns finally had some red zone success or some success getting down the field in. <laughs> red zone um you know they schemed up Callaway open on uh you know that one play and Mayfield throws it a little bit low behind but it should have been caught uh you know he tips the ball up in the air intercepted earlier in the game uh I thought 49ers did a great job in coverage uh covering all the Browns options but Mayfield you know did what he does at times extending the play a little bit 
uh, creating like a scramble drill situation, kind of throwing Callaway open in the end zone, in the red zone. And Callaway just throws one arm up, lets the ball go over his head, and then you're forced to kick a field goal. So, you know, there were just, I thought, multiple touchdowns left on the board by Callaway. Um, two interceptions caused by him. He clearly shouldn't have been on the field. He was benched in the second half. Um, so that was a big issue. But obviously, defensively, they did. I, I couldn't say one player on defense played well on Monday night. Um, and then the pass protection scheme, I already alluded to. Leaving a tight end one-on-one -on -one with Bosa, you know, their whole defensive line was dominant all night. Uh, leaving Dontrell Hilliard in on a third down, key third down to pass protect. Um, he is the second worst graded pass protecting running back in the entire NFL right now. He is completely useless as a pass protector, pass protector, and they should be getting him out in routes when he's in the game. Nick Chubb is the third best pass protecting running back. So if they're going to have a running back in pass protection, it must be Nick Chubb. And when they had Hilliard in on that play, of course, he gets blown up because they blitz a linebacker and it's a sack. So these are just all confounding uh, decisions as well as Mayfield holding the ball at times, passing up open receivers and, uh, you know, taking sacks and just everything just looks like a mess. Why do you think they kept Hilliard in there on that third? Because if they know he's not great, then why would you do it? Well, maybe they don't know that. Maybe they are overconfident in their player. Maybe they don't realize that he's been as bad as he's been. Um, it's been a consistent thing with his pass protection grades in preseason and in the regular season, though. He's been one of the worst in the entire league. Dearness Johnson is also one of the worst. So if you're going to have a running back in there for pass protection purposes, it must be Chubb. Um, but, yeah, it's just – questionable decision making for sure and uh it's just tough apparently they probably just wanted to get Chubb a, a blow in that situation and <laughs> it just it cost him yeah and let's talk about Callaway because last year I was on the bandwagon he's great talent let's give him a go but do you think he's just causing us lots and lots of problems he's obviously had the marijuana in the car he's had problems this year is his head in the game? You know, last year, I think it was against the Saints, I want to say, was obviously that real long pass, and he looked really, really good. But do you think we should just cut him and move on? I, I wouldn't say that they should cut him, but I think that we all need to realize that he's a player that's probably all, always going to leave you wanting more. You know, he's going to show those flashes. He's going to show the plays like he did against the Saints last year where he, like, runs so fast, tracking that ball, getting his feet in in the back of the end zone to tie the game. Um, you know, plays after the catch last year, we'd go up in the air, attack a ball in traffic, and then run through the defense and almost score. But then there's also those plays where he fumbles at the one-yard line. There's the plays where he trips on a, on a curl route and falls down, the ball bounces off his hands. It's an interception. Um, there's lots of plays last year, too, where kind of like what happened Monday night, he doesn't define a route that happened often, where he just he's just not a consistent route runner. It's something that you know, with a quarterback, it's hard to trust that guy because he's not going to be in the place where you expect him to be all the time. So you might throw the ball to him and he's, you know, maybe two steps away from where he should have been. Um, just situations like that. Plus, he's just not the most sure-handed guy. So I think he's a guy that you really have to have a very specific role for. Like I, uh, I had said, you know, coming into the season, this was obviously before Higgins got injured. That changes things. But I felt he should have been more of a situational deep threat. You know, the type of guys, guy that takes the top off the defense, he rotates in, 
He's not running the full route tree. And, and then maybe you throw him a shallow cross or a screen once in a while. You get the ball in space and let him run after the catch. But he's not a guy that should be running the full route tree, and they shouldn't be targeting him very often unless it's explosive plays down the field because he's just not someone that you can count on, on or off the field, clearly. And I don't think he'll ever be that guy that you can consistently count on. Do you play football yourself or do you coach? Yeah, I've played in the past and then I coach now, yeah. Okay, coach. Yeah. Are you um, a positional coach or head coach? or? Yeah, quarterbacks coach. I've okay. coached quarterbacks um, so five years now. I've coached one year at the college level, four years at the high school level. I've coached receivers, defensive backs in the past. And I had a uh, two-year period where I was a pass game coordinator for a high school. Awesome. And who's your team? I coach for Avon High School. Okay, I know where that is. That's uh, west of Cleveland. Yep, yeah. I go past the baseball arena sometimes. Okay, yep. I know what you're talking about. It's like a minor league team, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the level you coach at, how could you translate that to me as an Englishman? Or, you know, uh, in their first year in high school, so like maybe 14, 15 years old, all the way up to their final year before university, so... So like freshman through senior year of high school. But high schools, do they have like leagues or is it just one league? Yeah, we have leagues. Yeah, so there's conferences and then there's also like divisions. So in Ohio, we have seven divisions. The biggest is division one. The smallest is division seven. And so that's based on your enrollment at the school. And yep. um, Avon, we're division two. So we're like okay. the second second from the top. But But I would say and many would say that we're one of the top schools in Ohio as far as football is concerned I mean we're undefeated right now we have a really strong program great head coach um even if I wasn't on the staff like this is definitely not a biased statement like we have a fantastic coaching staff we have a lot of really good coaches so um I'm lucky to be there and I love you know learning and working with the guys and influencing the kids in a positive way man that's awesome uh Pete Smith's also a quarterback coach Mm-hmm. Yeah, he coaches more on the east side. Yeah, okay. east side of Cleveland. Um, yeah, I think a, a little bit smaller high school, but yep, he's in high school. Queensboro, isn't it? Uh, I think it might be Streetsboro. Streetsboro, that's it, yeah. yeah. It'd be awesome if you two played a game against each other. Yeah, that would be um, – yeah, maybe in the future if I coach somewhere else or he coaches somewhere else, but I think the way that it is now, that might be, a, you know, an outmatched affair. <laughs> <laughs> but you're also both uh, – quarterback coaches so you won't probably play against each other really so uh, it should be a bit of a shame but yeah going back to the uh, Browns do you think we've had all summer how talented this roster is but do you think now five games in we've got enough depth to our roster I think that I don't think that the depth is where it needs to be um, I think one of the problems is that the depth is the depth across the roster is so inexperienced. There's a lot of really young players that they're counting on in those depth positions. So if a starter gets injured, then all of a sudden a rookie's playing and like Mac Wilson's playing right now. So they're playing through the growing pains with him. You know, his first game, I thought he was pretty solid. His last two games, he's been worse. Uh, I would argue that that ha he hasn't been much of a drop off from Kirksey at all because Kirksey's played really poorly the past few years, but still from an experience standpoint, that's tough. Um, same thing kind of in the secondary, at, le at least at corner, they've had experienced players come in, but like you had Justin Burris who was forced into action and that was, you know, you're sitting there like, how is he going to play? Is he going to play well? Like he, he played well, thankfully against the Rams, but that's still 
a question mark as far as the depth is concerned. You look at the D line, it's a lot of a lot of young young depth aside from Chris Smith. It's all it's all young players that are inexperienced. Offensive line depth, it's um, you know, with Lamb out, it's a lot of really young guys like Teller and McCray. So across the roster and also even running back. I mean, we kind of touched on this, but you know, Hilliard is a second year player. Dearness Johnson is a first year player. Um, so they don't have a lot of experience depth there and receiver as well. Callaway and Ratley, both second year guys, and they're both up and down and consistent, hard to rely on. They've really missed Higgins in that regard, who should really be a starter for them if he would be healthy. Um, and then even tight end, I need to talk about that too with the tight end position with Najoku out. It's, I mean, Harris is a veteran, but aside from him, and they're trying to use more multiple tight end sets now, it's Pharaoh Brown, who's, I mean, he was pretty good against the Ravens, but then last week or this past Monday, he played, I would say, really poorly. Um, and then you've got Ricky Seals-Jones, who's been in the league a few years, but he's still inexperienced when it comes to playing the tight end position because um, he was a wide receiver in college. So you still have a lot of youth across the roster. And I think the key with building the depth is going to be developing these young players over time, hanging on to them, letting them get into their second, third, fourth year of their rookie contracts with the same coaching staff, you know, just continuing to that's how you build depth is you just let those guys develop in the system over time with good coaching and they should turn into better players. And that builds the depth of the roster. It's interesting. I feel we really missed someone like Darren Fells this year. Oh, for sure. Definitely. I mean, if you look at the way he's played in Houston, they definitely miss him. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I thought at the time when they signed Harris, I was excited about him because I liked what he showed in Kansas city at times but he just hasn't been even close to that player. And I thought Fells was just so, just so, so rock solid, steady, like nothing dynamic about him, which is why I think the Browns probably let him go because they just felt that they could find a more dynamic presence as the backup tight end. But that looks like a pretty big mistake now with Fells making plays and being a really solid blocker in Houston. I don't think we've got the depth at tight end or running back, as we, as we said, depth on the O-line as well. I think they're all three areas where we need maybe more vets or more support or just just more meat on the bones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and over time, letting those players develop and gain experience, and then they become, you know, the young guys become veterans if you just give them some time, continuing to draft well. You bring in, you know, you bring in more talent each year, and, uh, you know, some of the veterans are going to be gone in a year because of, for cap reasons. So that means that young players are going to have to step into starting roles. And that's where it's on the coaching staff to build, you know, build these guys up, develop them, teach them the scheme and get them ready to play football. Just quickly brush on uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, everyone's probably seen it now. Richard Sherman's a uh, half apology. I was listening to Cleveland Browns daily this morning and they were mentioning that basically Baker is, very low in all the stats of all the quarterbacks this year. It's it's crazy how how confident and how hip slung gun firing he was last year, and now this year he just seems to be lost all confidence. He wants to get out of that pocket. He just doesn't seem the same player, does he? Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. He doesn't seem like the same player at all. Um, I've opined. I'm not going to say this is a hundred percent you know, with 100% certainty, but I think that losing his quarterbacks coach from last year, Kenny Zampezi, who's 
coached in the NFL for you know 25 years, coached quarterbacks a long time, and replacing him with uh, Ryan Lindley, who obviously played for the Cardinals a few years ago, but his only coaching experience was, I think, as a gener- uh, as a uh, grad graduate assistant at San Diego State, I believe, and then. When Kitchens was promoted to OC last year, he brought him on as the running backs coach to uh, replace him. And then after the season, uh, you know, promoting him to quarterbacks coach, that that's pretty rough. I mean, the, the guy's only coached three or four years of football now, and he's tasked with the development of this young quarterback. Uh, it's kind of like him and Drew Stanton, you know, whenever Kitchens and Munkin aren't in the room. So that's pretty tough. That's that's a big difference. I mean, experience counts for a lot when you're coaching. I kind of speak from experience with that. I mean, being around more experienced coaches, like I coach with someone now, we kind of tag team the quarterbacks at Avon. He's coached for 20 years. So, like, I learned so much from him all the time having experienced coaches on your staff really counts for something. And I think, I think Mayfield is probably missing Zampezi just from the point of like having calm feet in the pocket, being disciplined, not getting, you know, too deep in his drops, um, which can really hinder, you know, the pass protection and hurt the offensive tackles if he gets too deep because now edge rushers can just come around the edge and get pressure on him quickly. Um, getting, you know, keeping his eyes, his feet tied to his eyes, which he's talked about in press conferences with the media some as he gets from one to two to three in his progression. That's been something that he just really hasn't done a good job of. So I think all those things are a factor. And yeah, he's just not the same guy as he was last year when it comes to like getting to the top of his drop and just, you know, pulling the trigger after one hitch. It's, he just looks very uncertain, doesn't trust the things around him. And thankfully, we did see a flash, I think, of some of what he showed last year against the Ravens. So at least we know that's kind of still in there. But it's been disappointing seeing the way that Mayfield has played in the other four games this season. Yeah. One thing I do like is the camaraderie between Freddie and uh, Baker. They haven't, they're not putting each other, each other under the bus. They're all uh, on the same page, which is good to see. Obviously, we get stupid uh, reports today that they're looking to trade OBJ, you know, like... I don't I buy that at all. No, I don't buy that at all. You know, um, mm. I think people just want to make stories up for the for the fun of it. My last question for you is, one name that hasn't been mentioned a lot this year is Avery. Any reason why you think he's not being played? I think that they're. I think that they are um, prioritizing run defense at at defensive end on the active you know game day roster. So they are playing uh, you know Chris Smith and Chad Thomas over him because. We all know that Jannar Avery is not a—he's not an edge setter. He's not a run defense specialist or anything like that. He's—he's he's a situational pass rusher, and uh, to this point, they're not prioritizing that role. So he's—he's he's not on the active roster, sadly, and and that's disappointing because he—he he had a really good year last year as a as an edge rusher, as a situational pass rusher, and uh, hopefully we can see him in that role again in the future because I thought that was a really strong draft pick by John Dorsey actually, but. If the coaches aren't going to play the guy and find a role for him, it's it's just disappointing seeing that. He's clearly a defensive end. I think that's definitely his best role in the NFL. He's not a linebacker. He's just not the guy that's going to defend the run from off the ball, and he's also not going to drop in coverage and do well consistently. But, um, yeah, I think that every team needs a good situational pass rusher like him, and, and the Browns should be appreciating him more. I would say that they could probably leave one of those offensive linemen as the as that inactive instead of him, maybe Austin Corbett. But, you know, I'm not in their shoes. I don't see the guys practice every day. So 
it's hard for me to always talk about the decisions that they make. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Brendan, it's been an absolute pleasure getting you on. Before you go, how's your dog? <laughs> My dogs are good. Um, actually, the one that we talked about last time is, is named Baker. I named him after Baker Mayfield. Um, he's not a puppy anymore, thankfully, so he's calmed down a lot. And uh, yeah, both my dogs are good. And thank you for asking. Hopefully, Baker Mayfield can calm down like Baker the dog. I hope so. Yeah, that that is a great. Uh, that's a great point. <laughs> and Brendan, when can people find your details? Um, most of my analysis is just on my Twitter account at Brendan Leister. Um, in the off season, I write articles for USA Football. Um, a lot of X's and O's based stuff on NFL and college. Um, and then I do behind the scenes work at PFF, but you can't really find that, you know, on the website. So yeah, just my Twitter account for the most part. Well, it's an absolute pleasure getting someone on who's so knowledgeable, theory, and actually an American football coach. So thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me on anytime, man. Okay. You take care, Brendan. Thank you very much. Yep, you too.